Hello, fight fans. You're listening to the Dare Daniel Podcast, where you send us your most sadistic movie dares, and we suffer the consequences for your amusement. I'm Corky McDonald, local comedian and former ring girl, and with me, as always, is Daniel Barnes, film critic for the Sacramento News and Review, and member of the San Francisco Film Critic Circle. Hi, everybody. As Corky said on this show, we watch the unwatchable. Films that have been rejected by audience or critics, but usually by both. Then we review and rate them on our unique system. A run-of-the-mill bad film is rated a dare. We give a double dare to those truly atrocious movies, and we reserve the reverse dare for those despised movies that are actually pretty good. But before we get started, Daniel also writes a craft beer column for the Sacramento Bee. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the beer you brought for us tonight, Dan? The beer I poured tonight is a bottle from Fieldwork, which is a brewery based in Berkeley, but they have a tasting room here in Sacramento. It's a big old English-style barley wine, 13.3% alcohol by volume. It's called Jude the Obscure. A lot of alcohol up front, uh, kind of fades into a brown sugary sort of sweetness, becomes very drinkable. All right. Well, we go to work on this beer. Let's hear a clip from this week's dare, the punch drunk comedy grudge match. You come out here to our venue in front of our fans, you're going to compare us to wrestling? Uh, did he say, did he say wrestling? Why don't yeah, you don't stand know. there in your little sweatshirt and look stupid for a second Excuse while me? I speak to your fellow geriatric? Hey, 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 hey. Okay. Look at this guy. Yeah. Who are you? I don't even know what yeah, your you name is. Yeah, you better talk Who to you? him. I'm the guy that's asking you to pick up one of your little arms and throw it in my direction so I can put you on your ass and you can tell these fans if it fell scripted. Go. Hey, go ahead. You know what? Yeah, be my guest. You can you take your first shot. I well, challenge you. Hit him. What do you wish to do? Just belt him. Why are you interrupted? All of a sudden, you got some courage. You want to take a no, shot at No, I don't me? want to take a shot at you. I want you to smack him. Go ahead, hit him. Go ahead. Hit him. He wants to be hit. Shut up, old man. <laughs> oh, shit. Guess that's that. Those very tired voices you heard were Sylvester Stallone as Henry Razor Sharp and Robert De Niro as Billy the Kid McDonough, both retired heavyweight champions with unsurprising similarities to iconic boxer characters previously played by both Stallone and De Niro. Grudge Match released Christmas 2013. That was our that was our big Christmas present that we were all opening that year. Yeah, remember that's how, when your big Oscar stuff is released. Remember how sad that Christmas was? <laughs> really, I mean, when you talk about the war on Christmas, Starbucks cups and Grudge Match has a 30 on Rotten Tomatoes. It is officially rotten. Yeah. And a 35 on Metacritic. It cost $40 million, which it doesn't look it. No, where did that but go? But at the same time, I mean, it, it does have pretty known actors in there. Yeah. And, you know, as we can kind of talk about a little bit maybe later on, I think the main reason that this movie got made and got made for $40 million, a little something called pennsylvania film tax credits okay right yeah um, set in pittsburgh set in pittsburgh uh they have a whole you might have noticed like so many shows and so many films are shot in pittsburgh and set in pittsburgh all of a sudden over the last 10 years and that's because of these pennsylvania film tax well there's credits. uh it's always sunny in pittsburgh <laughs> there's csi pittsburgh Every, literally every show. Everything is set in Pittsburgh. All the uh, Phillies home games. Yeah. <laughs> Stallone and De Niro against each other. Titans of late 70s, uh, mid 80s cinema as uh, boxers coming back for one last grudge match with each other. Stallone plays Henry Razor Sharp, uh, down on his luck, ex-boxer, who was once great, but now uh, works somewhere where they do a lot of 
machinery it's sparks. The, it's some. Uh, it's the sparks uh, foundry. Yeah, <laughs> there's so many, so many factories and movies seem to just be making fire. That's it. It's like we've got to get this fire out. We got a lot of customers who want fire. The first time you see him, he's literally carrying a lunch pail <laughs> onto it. There's sparks like he's a flash dance or something. De Niro is Billy the Kid McDonough. Doesn't matter. Yeah, whatever. It does not matter. They call him Kid throughout the movie. Um, He's actually doing pretty well. He owns a couple car dealerships. The first time we meet him, he's he's toasting at his bar. He's doing he's doing a a performance. He's a womanizer. He he's not just doing a performance. He's doing fucking Jeff Dunham style. He's uh, a puppet. He's doing, he's doing <laughs> ventriloquism, but it's the most abrasive ventriloquism. Oh, Everybody in this movie upsetting. is mean spirited. Yes. The humor is just. In he's, case... on, he's on stage for five seconds before someone who apparently paid to get into his show just starts heckling him and telling him how terrible he is in his own bar. In his own bar, just yelling at him. And he returns fire right back. And she's a mannish looking woman. And that is pointed out to her face. The crowd piles in and it's played for yucks. Yeah. But yeah. you can tell he's missing something in his life. Well, he's very, and obviously this is the main thing that we need to talk about. He's very Jake LaMotta y. Not, not so much the wife beating, but he, he did, uh, you know. Well, we don't know. It's kind of left open ended, yeah. honestly. You know, I think in the extended universe, <laughs> yes, there's a lot of that. And Stallone is supposed to be very rocky. Yeah. Down to the fact that he's basically blue collar. He's, he's lost all of his money and he just works in a factory. Nowadays. I think that one of his first lines is, I got nothing said in like a jovial fun tone to his coworkers. <laughs> Doesn't even have a TV. Doesn't oh, want yeah. a TV. Oh, they hit that hard. Oh, he boy. does not have a TV. He's too real. He's just too goddamn real. So we're basically introduced to these characters and this is a, going to be a pet peeve of mine that I will probably repeat over and over again on the show. I really hate it when they use news and sports reports to explain what the story is. You don't like that exposition? Oh, my goodness. So it comes right on, and this is what we're watching. We're watching a sports report about Razor Sharp and Billy the Kid and their history together. Right. Right? With the most disturbing use of like CGI avatars for young De Niro. And I so haven't and seen was... anything this bad since season three of The Sopranos when they tried to bring Livia back for one scene <laughs> and the head floated on top. <laughs> it was bad. Yeah, so these two have history. They've had two great matches in the in the early 80s, 30 years ago, each taking one. Kid taking a decision and Razor beating the shit out of him in a four-round decision that right. Kid insists he was not in shape not for. In shape. But then... The they never got match the third. Th- never happened. Yeah, the titular Razor Sharp match. said, "I'm going to go work in the fire factory. I'm done. I'm done with this. I'm going to follow my dream." The people of Pittsburgh need sparks, damn it, and I'm the one to bring it to them. <laughs> What's so also interesting about opening with this news report, which is kind of the thing that starts the whole, not only really introduces, but really starts the narrative because everyone's kind of talking about this news report. They're not reporting on anything. There's literally no reason. There's nothing driving, like, why is this on television That's right a now? good point. They they basically, they give the history. The, the, the end of it is, well, they never rematch. It's treated as it's breaking news, it's, but it's, like, it's literally a 30-year-old like, thing. It's so urgent to talk about something that is not happening. No. When, this ha- when, the, when the film opens, nothing yeah. is happening. Anyway, yes. So they, Dante Slate Jr. comes along, and he uh, tries to get Razor to come and record for a video game. He's not with it. He's done. He's hung him up. But we do know that he's still supporting his old trainer, Lightning Conlon, played by the wonderful Alan Arkin, probably my favorite actor in the movie. 
He says, no, I'm not going to do it. I've hung him up. I'm not going to do it. But he goes inside and does the uh, look at my bills stacking up. <laughs> he looks like he forgot that he There's has bills. There's a shot of looking at your bills uh, past due, past due. Comes back out, tells uh, Dante Slate Jr., I'll do it. Fifteen grand, but kid can't be there. They can't be in the room together. No, There's some bad blood. There's bad blood that we don't quite get Not right yet. away. Right? Yeah. yeah. Cut Something to came between them. the video game filming facility. Yeah. It's it's like I flash back when I was a kid and I saw Rhinestone, the <laughs> Sylvester Stallone Dolly Parton movie, where Sylvester Stallone came out and dressed as a cowboy, and that was the whole joke. It was, was just that, like he's just wearing a funny outfit. Yeah, he's just wearing hilarious. a funny outfit. So he yeah. comes out in this, and you know Stallone's on set going, "This is gonna work great. This is gonna be look. We're both I'm, wearing green jumpsuits with yes. ping pong balls on them." <laughs> Uh, lo and behold, kid shows up, and uh, boy, uh, you thought sparks flew at the factory. Oof. Sparks fly upon that. They are not happy to see each other. They get into a fist fight. Kid provokes it. And it becomes a viral sensation. That day. The same day. <laughs> that day. Because people Before the fight are is really... over, it's got like 30 million views. These guys like become new, like national news for like literally doing nothing. <laughs> Uh, and you got the kids who are retweeting this and selling. They don't know who these people. Are. <laughs> they, they were not born when the last time these people were relevant. Which is this is about where we get introduced to Kim Basinger. Yes, who is the old flame, which is the ex-wife. The reason we get introduced. Let me. Oh, sure. The reason she, we get introduced is because because it's so popular. Everybody's contacting them. They want an actual fight. They want the third fight. And Dante Slate Jr. can hook it up and pitches it and. It's a payday of a lifetime, better than the video game stuff, but Razor still won't do it. And why? Kim Basinger. Kim Basinger. Kid Kid gives us a reason. I stole his girlfriend and knocked her up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you think I'm being vulgar with that term, I think that's literally what he uses. And back to the uh, the uh, mean spirited yeah. humor of this. There's they go to jail in their mocap suits. And there's they're giving each other shit in the cells, and there's literally a line where Stallone asks, "Can one of you fellas hurry up and rape him, please?" Yeah. About uh, De Niro. They. The and it's played for yucks. Oh, the lazy homophobia <laughs> throughout, as you were saying, the mannish woman and the yeah in the nightclub and this joke. And because if you didn't know these were gruff old men who play by their own rules, that told you right there. Yeah. The. And and even going back to Alan Arkin, who I agree, I love Alan Arkin, and he probably is the best thing in here. But isn't he uh, his sort of racist, dirty old man routine is also pretty lazy. Pretty, you know? like, yeah. He's phoning it in as hard as anyone as here. Hard you as know anyone. what I mean? Like, Anthony Anderson, who is like a named actor, uh, leads a show. He credited as Mister Sandpaper Hands. <laughs> He's his orderly at the old folks' home. <laughs> Yeah, Everybody's slumming in this yeah, thing. Yeah, this is really, really rough. Okay. Um, so back to we meet Kim Basinger. Meet she Kim Basinger, is... and you find this. I mean, their whole story is just like she, you know, she cheats on him with like his greatest rival. His rival. And not to just jump ahead, but we find out it's because of a misunderstanding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like. Not through flashback. It's handled in the most nondescript or non-interested uh, like, oh, dialogue delivery. I, I saw you with a woman, and I, I, I got jealous. I He's didn't know like, her. She I'd meant nothing. Her. That never, was it. That was it. Yeah. Like, wow. Her <laughs> life has changed because she fucks kid, gets knocked up with the with, uh, – or has a has – With a, kid's pregnant. Baby. With kid's baby. Yeah. And that is enough for Stallone. So Stallone 
retired from boxing for that. Okay, so we meet we meet Basinger. She's back because she's trying to connect, reconnect with Razor, saying, "Don't do this. Don't do this fight." Oh, by this time he has agreed to the fight because it's a good payday. He needs the money. Yeah, he needs the money, and that leads to a press conference where the media shows up specifically to make old man jokes yes they it's not a even roast. Ask, not even ask questions <laughs> no i was sitting there going fuck pittsburgh media is, is rude as like, shit really harsh really like why'd you even show up they're laughing at each other's jokes like although i did like frank pesh was in this <laughs> i'm a big fan of frank pesh watch 29th street it's a great movie nice um, this is probably my first time where i was like i hate this fucking movie the, this was the first time yes i honestly i think i wrote i hate this this is the first thing I wrote in my notes was, the I hate this. The scene where Kevin Hart has to break down to them, no ticket, no money, no fight. Yeah. No ticket, no money, no fight. No fight, no money, no ticket. They do this for what seems like eons. It seems like a 12-round fight as long as they do this. And you can tell they're on set. They're like, oh, this is going to fucking kill. Yeah. Everybody's going around with this. No ticket, no money, no fight. Almost like no ticket, no laundry kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah. Now compare that to... The entire storyline involving his son, <laughs> which the tone goes completely the other way, right? Like yeah. you have all these comedy hijinks that are so goofy and so lowbrow. They jump out of a plane oh, at one point. Yeah. They get into a fight in an MMA fight. There's just really like goofy, goofy hijinks. And then it get in, gets into his long lost son, right. BJ. And don't think that they don't milk that. For all the comedy gold no, that it's worth. Seriously. Which we'll get to butterscotch jelly beans. Butterscotch jelly beans. But his long lost son, BJ, played by John Bernthal. And these scenes are played fairly like seriously. Fairly seriously. There's a yeah. precocious kid, uh, kid's grandson. The, probably the character I hated the most in this that movie. That was, he was rough. Or he the actor rough. I hated the most. Yeah. Uh, LL Cool J is in LL there. LL Cool J is in he there. He runs the the gym where kid is training, but won't take him seriously. Pawns him off on Coco Diaz, Joey Coco Diaz, who I called before the movie opened. I was like, Coco Diaz is going to be in this movie. I know it's about boxing. It's about <laughs> uh, gruff humor. Coco Diaz is going to be yes, he's his trainer who doesn't give a shit. But let's really break down this relationship right. with the son when they meet in the film. It is supposed to be the first time they have ever met. Yeah. This is the first time they've ever met. John Bernthal, who uh, you probably people would know from Walking Dead or Punisher. From Baby Driver, on Punisher. Netflix. There you go, Punisher on Netflix. He, when this film was made, is 37 years old. He's a grown ass man. Mind you, they both live in Pittsburgh. There's literally no reason for them to have never met. Never you know what met. I mean? Kim Basinger never told him. Right, she who just, his father? Like they, ju- like it just came up because he was on TV and she had a weird reaction. And he's yeah. like, "Hey, wait a minute, is that my is that my father?" Yeah, he Kim also Basinger. has a grandkid. So think about the kind of neglect, the intentional <laughs> neglect by Robert De Niro to be like, you know what? I'm never gonna try to meet this kid ever. I don't care that he's a five minute drive away. I don't care that he's a grown man now. And we can all make our own decisions. Like, we're not protecting, you know. I'm doing well. I could provide for this child I brought into the I'm world. I'm a successful businessman. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? He's not a 12-year-old boy. It's not going to shatter his world, right? He's, he's the he's, kid, he's, man. Bernthal is a BJ, is a grown man. <laughs> he has a child of his own. That's an amazing amount of neglect to yeah. have made no attempt to have ever talked to him. Until we find out in the heartwarming moment that, yes, the kid had kept a scrapbook 
the entire time of BJ and all of his high school football stuff, but never went to like meet him, even when he was a grown man and had must have followed stalked him, yeah, enough to know he had a grandchild, yeah, and, and that's what's bullshit. I mean, that's way down in the movie, and that's when he tries to get him back after royally fucking his life and being told stay away from me and my son. Absolutely, that's his get back. Is this scrapbook that he had of uh, him growing up? And so, it works. Yes, and it, it works. works. And this BJ is as soon as he sees that scrapbook is gets all moist and yeah. is like, "Holy shit, that's that's my dad right but there." But if you break it down, it's saying, "I kept dibs on you, but not enough to really get in, in your I, life." I knew you existed. <laughs> like I knew it. I like I was there, like watching you. Here's the good like things. Like a stalker. That, yeah, the, the entire I time. I knew everything. I just was like. <laughs> I'm not gonna actually meet you. I'm never gonna introduce until myself. I need you. Yeah, in my corner, literally. Like right now. Yeah. yeah, I'm feeling bad. So here's the scrapbook that I threw together. <laughs> All right. His son is the best trainer for him because Coco Diaz doesn't take it seriously. A lot so, of training montages. A lot of training. A lot of this is where we start getting our callbacks to Rocky. Uh, I mean, they're Cole. they're all over the place, really. I mean, even the crusty old manager right is straight out of rocky right i mean the rags to riches element is rocky the timeline is rocky we're drinking raw eggs we're pounding raw, raw meat eggs. oh the raw meat yeah. oh i mean how lazy i wanted that? a raging bull callback i wanted someone just to be like your fucking mother's an animal larry who's an animal larry <laughs> quite good you fuck my wife you fuck my wife each time they're around they they fuck things up at the mma thing razor punches out an mma a real MMA Yes, they fighter. hate each other. Yeah. The movie makes it abundantly clear. But it starts pumping up people. More and more people want to see this more fight. More people are getting excited to watch old men wallop on each other. The funny... Okay, so one funny bit, one bit I liked was when... I, I love can't acting. I love that. And when they try to do a promotion for a local restaurant and it's obvious they're reading off cue cards and they can't deliver the lines, that bit, I love that. Okay, wait. Like, Remind me of this bit because I'm shocked. They're both in their robes and they're doing a commercial for a uh, restaurant, but it's obvious they're reading off cue cards. Hello, wouldn't you like steak? Oh, and they're doing sure. can't they're acting. they for the casino. Yeah. Yeah. But it's almost verbatim how... De Niro delivers his nightclub. <laughs> <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> his nightclub stuff. There's like no. <laughs> Wait, how to? Okay, let me try to get in the mindset of someone who's phoning in a performance. <laughs> okay, hang on. Let, let me, me step way outside of my. I want to get into character here. Give me a little bit of space. I'm gonna try to think. What if I was doing something just for the money? <laughs> I didn't have any emotional stake in it, and like. Was almost dead inside. Hmm. What would that be like? That's so crazy. I don't know. Like, is there any like anyone I can research? Can I like <laughs> follow someone around like that for a while? Maybe I could go method for the last twenty years of my career. <laughs> right, I know, right. Where are we? Okay, so we're leading up to the training fight. Montages. Yeah, training montages. We're leading up to the fight. All right, so um, we go through a little bit of woe differences. Razor won't connect with Baser until they have their heart to heart first date. Meanwhile, Arkin's pushing it because he wants him to hit tap that ass on Basinger. And if you think the movie does, I keep calling her Basinger, but if you think the movie takes her character seriously, she has no last name. Her name is Sally. Yeah. That is it. She's listed as Sally. So I'm giving her as much credit as the movie gives her. And it, it's really kind of a grumpy old men thing with Arkin playing exactly. the Burgess Meredith role of that horny old man. The uh boxing match has sold so well that In they Pittsburgh. have changed the venue. Yes. Which that happens a lot, right? 
I bought tickets to this place, and oh, it's also good at this place. And my seat is the same. What's the seating grid? I don't know. Wait, the seat section two two thirty two. That's only transferable, to right? To yeah, 80. no, no. Yeah, I bought this tickets is... for a local club, and I'm taking them to Wembley to see if I can get down low. Yeah. <laughs> um. So they're celebrating, and kid, some twenty year old is throwing it at this sixty year old De Niro. Yeah, Just wants him. Like, let's get out of here. Upsetting. Yeah. So he does the unthinkable. He ditches the uh, little – I keep saying kid, but he ditches his grandson. Uh, grandson, for some weird reason, decides to go out and drive his grandpa's car. It's never been set up in the movie that the kid does this kind of thing. Anything like that. Yeah, he, he just, just takes off. Yeah, just goes – and it's the most – he goes and drives the car. Whoops, look who's in the back seat. Uh, De Niro in this 20-something getting yeah. on. And then instantaneously a cop pulls him over. Like, yes. Like the cop had been following that grandson around, like that like, little fucker. I don't like this kid, I don't like the cut of his jib. I'm getting him next time yeah. he tries to boost the car. I'm not gonna like go and be like, "Hey, kid, are you okay?" I'm gonna, I'm gonna like wait for. I'm gonna give him enough rope to hang himself. <laughs> yeah, let him peel out a little yeah. bit. <laughs> he gets like, arrested. Don't like the look of that six year old. Bernthal gets called, comes and picks up his son, and tells De Niro, "Stay away from me and my son." Um, so we we were having differences in all the characters. Oh, and this is leading up to the uh, – oh, I think we, we skipped it. The car crash. The very realistic uh, car yes. crash. You want to talk about tone change in a movie. Stallone and Basinger are having a nice date. They're driving at night, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a car just wallops. Yeah. Their and car. it's one of those where you see it coming out yeah. from the side window, you know, like it's a very realistic, like whammo yeah. impact kind of. Remind me of, of adaptation, the scene where uh Chris Cooper's backing his car out and the car just comes out of nowhere. Or like uh Whiplash. Did you ever see Whiplash? No, I never saw Whiplash. Yeah, it's like a scene where he's trying to like hurry somewhere and goes into the thing and it's one of those where like you see it coming through the driver's yeah. side, you know. Yeah, I mean it's like it's intense, right? Yeah. You think, oh, like the entire movie has changed now. In like, this movie where uh, De Niro and Stallone are skydiving just yeah, 20 like, minutes before. It is, the whole thing is just, like you said, grumpy old man hijinks, except that they're ex-boxers. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's that level of stuff. And then all of a sudden it's like, wow, oh, man. Yeah. Like this this will completely change the entire movie. And it does not. No, it does not. It turns nah, out everything's they are fine. Okay. They are fine. <laughs> they're totally fine, actually. But what it tells us. But it does us, expose yes. that issue with Stallone. He's blind in one He's eye. He's blind in his eye. Yeah. In his, in his left or right eye. I think it's left. It does kind of show that, like, you know, in this universe, nobody can really get hurt. So don't worry that two 70 year olds are about to, like, pound on each other and <laughs> yeah. what is, like, maybe the most inhumane thing I've ever seen. Um, and don't worry about it. It's cool. We learned that did, uh, Stallone lost, uh, or Razor Sharp lost. Uh, his vision in his eye because of a spark accident. <laughs> well, that's an occupational hazard. A wild spark. But when this, you work at the fire factory, you wear goggles, asshole. Like, Fuck this movie. Because why can't it just be like, yeah, I'm fucking 65. Yeah. I'm blind in one eye. That happens. I box professionally for nine years. No, no, these guys don't get old. No, they no. look, and that's the thing. They just thing. don't know what trending on Twitter means. That's that's getting old in that's this universe, right? Like you actually get stronger as you get older. You fight professionally <laughs> for five or six years. Uh, you don't say things correctly. You know, you. you lose. Right. These guys are in their 60s, and he's blind in eye only because sparks. <laughs> You work um, at the Spark Factory. It's gonna happen, man. This so it's fight night. Let's get just get to the end. They they come they're they're together to fight, right? Sure. Okay. Um, but there's some big apology scenes, and they're very serious. And it's just it's such a weird tonal shift. Yeah. 
from goofy hijinks yeah to i'm seriously you know like i'm i've wrecked my life kind of stuff right know? i do want to say yeah razor backs out of the fight after acknowledging he has he's blinded one eye at the behest of kim basinger at the behest of alan arkin he backs out of the fight and kid comes over de niro comes over to visit and ask why this moment in the movie is the best acting i've seen out of de niro in two decades all right okay. it's not just collecting a paycheck and not knowing how to or just trying to mug for the camera. He actually gave it for that. Yeah, thing. it felt like it. It was. I, I, I okay. I'll give you that. I don't know. I mean, best. Yeah, best. Is I'm not talking like the, it's the mission it's, or yeah, Taxi Driver. It's or no taxi like Driver. <laughs> I still prefer his performance in Taxi Driver. I'm sorry, Quirky. Oh, that's okay. No, you didn't convince me. Uh, th- we're we're at the fight. We're at the fight. We're at the fight, which means War by Edwin Starr plays. Yes, because this movie is very clever. And and this is what this is the basic fundamental flaw of this movie. Everybody talks shit about how two sixty-year-old men cannot fight. They're talking shit during the broadcast. Roy Jones Jr., Jim Lampley, they are going at it and talking about how these are just two old men. And yeah, that's exactly what it is. There's nothing to invest in in this fight. Boxing can be wonderful in movies. Raging Bull did it. Rocky did it. A lesser movies, Digstown did it. You know, you can't make two sixty-somethings look good in a boxing match athletes in their prime who've devoted their lives to this craft at 27 years old have trouble going 12 rounds right these men you never believe one second (laughs) that they're going toe-to-toe with each other yeah and that's the basic cheat of the or the fundamental flaw in the movie um, there's a lot of fundamental that's, flaws in the I movie. I mean, that's, come on, that's an incidental flaw. <laughs> the whole movie's been telling you they can't do it, and you get to the fight, and it's like, oh, yeah, they can't do it. But they can. They totally do. Well, that's the movie says they it's can. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And the um, Peter Seagal fight choreography, which is not, he's no young Wu Ping. <laughs> I'll say that right now, sir. Yeah, they don't fly up to the rafters and no come back down. Um, it also, I mean, we should... We should talk. Okay, so in the film, I, I think they they suggest that they're supposed to be around sixty years old, sixty something. Yeah, they're closer to seventy when the yeah. film was made. I think uh, Stallone actually was seventy. Okay, okay. there's a two seventy year old men mm-hmm. walloping on each other right for an hour in front of a stadium of bloodthirsty sports fans. This is unconscionably immoral right there's no there's no like inspirational storyline to be brought out of this it's like hey i'm showing that old people can you know what i mean there's It'd no be like going to a dog fight and being like oh no you don't know this dog he's you don't know the adversity that he's had <laughs> okay yeah like he's ripping that other dog's neck uh, open but he's an older dog and he's had some adversities and he's reconnected with his puppy son so you don't understand that this is actually a really inspirational dog fight like this is an immoral act that is happening yeah I mean, I guess you could say boxing is the moral act, but if you're young and you're into it, you know what I mean? Like, they suggest that, like, these fight licenses were, were obtained through some shady, <laughs> like, some guy's like, oh, I could get you a fight license anyway. Yeah, and it like, was the bad guy from season two of The Wire. <laughs> I know, right? You know some shit's going down. Like, this is evil. This is pure evil. Right. But it's just, yeah, it's, they wall up on each other and actually knock each other out and they, they help do each other several up. several times, yeah. They both help each other up and then just continue to wall up on each other. Right. And, I mean, this is... This is a Rocky fights. These aren't boxing where you just jab and move and then no. hug another guy. Like this is haymakers for a full hour. Yeah. Just no defense. Wild Everything is a haymaker. haymaker. Nobody has put their hands up. Like no one's ever blocked a shot. No. If you've missed a shot, it's because you duck under it and then come up or something. You know, it's it's never like 
Ooh. And and Good that's defense. the thing. Two white light heavyweights that both live in Pittsburgh, that's rare enough, but now that they're in their sixties, <laughs> they still fight as good. Fuck that. Yeah. Uh that's just movie magic I can't get into. Uh, <laughs> I would have liked if the ring girl had also been the ring girl from thirty years ago, just up there <laughs> holding the cards up in her bathing suit. But no. Uh I'll spare you we'll spare you the details, I guess, on who wins the fight. Does it really matter? Is that a Oh, that a of course spoiler? it matters. Okay. Well, it's gotta be the it's gotta be Stallone, right? Stallone, I mean right? the thing is like the movie gets to a point where like it doesn't matter, like it never matters. They're yeah. not playing for it. They're not fighting for anything. There's no heavyweight crown. I mean, there's a it's a the, the theoretical tiebreaker grudge match. Yeah. But obviously they're retired long ago and that this is utterly meaningless you yeah know what i mean i mean and the fact that it's not just like a three-round exhibition and that it really is like a 15 round like actual fight is like horrifying right i mean i just can't imagine the nightmare of actually watching that and being like wow we just watched like this is like bum fight level immorality <laughs> you know what i mean like you shouldn't watch this yeah. you shouldn't watch this why how, why did the console energy center agree to host this after <laughs> It was moved from another location. Right. <laughs> Why did that happen? You should never have to watch a fight going, is grandpa's brain going to bleed? <laughs> but that's, that's a, which is, I mean, I don't know. I guess in the latest Rocky movies, Rocky is fighting like in Rocky Balboa. He fought like a, the actual heavyweight champion and Stallone was like 60, really oh, was 60 at yeah. the time. And then, Well, Stallone looks great in this movie. I mean, he's in his oh, mid-60s. He looks Jesus. fucking fantastic. Are you kidding me? No, I'm, I'm not I'm not kidding at all. He looks great. Oh, I mean, I was like, once it went from the CGI, I was like, because you see the CGI versions where it's supposed to be them young and it just looks like some cut screen on like an Xbox game. And yeah. then it's like, oh, God, that's his actual face. Like it's. A, oh, I'm not talking face. I'm talking body-wise. Oh, body-wise. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. He's had too much work up top. No, uh, I mean, he looks like a evil scarecrow who's yeah. like ripped up other people's faces <laughs> to make his face i mean if we're being honest so razor sharp wins on decision uh kid loses but he gains a family because he goes home with his son uh yes. butterscotch jelly bean butterscotch. <laughs> we didn't talk about butterscotch, didn't talk about butterscotch. and uh the little kid who wants uh some butterscotch jelly beans which I, is butterscotch jelly beans is just is so emblematic of how just how lazy this movie is. Yeah. There's a BJ. BJ is the name of yeah. kid's son. And of it's course, him getting to laugh about blowjobs. That's uh, BJ blowjob. And then there's something about how he got a BJ. And then the little kid, of course, is I like, want butterscotch what's jelly a BJ? Beans? Yeah. And oh, that means uh, butterscotch jelly beans. <laughs> oh, boy. So then the movie Callbacks ends. plenty. And it's the most fitting thing ever that this movie ends with a late stage stunt. Rolling Stone song, <laughs> yes, exactly. Right. Something from their their nineties, two thousands, where everything sounds exactly the same. It's formulaic. You Even can't the, tell it from I the, don't remember what the lyrics were, but they was sort of a kind of blandly inspirational, like we can still do this kind yeah. of thing. You know, like we're we're still trotting it out there every night. I mean, yeah, it is. It, it this is like the Rolling Stones. Like this is just like going through the motions yep. movie by two stars playing off of their own legacy. I'm not going to say this is a funny scene, but the very last scene with Holyfield and Tyson. You like that? No, it's awful. Oh. But it's it's a shaped scene. There's a coherent comedic arc to it. The references make sense. They're not just pulled out of the, their ass, right? They actually make sense in the context of having Holyfield and Tyson sitting together with Dare Slate. What the fuck was his name? <laughs> Dante Slate, Dante Slate Jr. Slate Jr. Ah. So they're having an argument with Dante Slate Jr. about like having their own 
grudge match. I mean, oh, hilarious, right? Yeah. No, it's Saturday Night Live level, like just lazy. Like I just wrote this in five minutes. Like, yeah. no, but there is actually like there's a beginning, middle, and end to the scene. And again, the references are are not just free floating around in the air like dust particles. Like there's actually some kind of a context to it. So. If I was going to say, I actually thought that was the funniest part of the entire movie. <laughs> the rest of it was just pure misery. It was just so, so lazy, so phoned in, and there was just no, no point to any of it. It wasn't even weird enough to be interesting. Wow. Yeah. We actually want to take these movies seriously and try to come into it with an open mind and an open heart. And actually, you know, because there have been so many movies over the years that were failures in their day. That for whatever have, reason. For whatever reason, usually because they weren't not successful at the box of it's almost entirely you know can almost always be traced back to some kind of an economic reason they yeah. cost too much money they didn't make enough money and so i don't know why critics think that that matters at all like unless you own a stake in the studio but uh you know there have been so many movies that were dismissed in their time that now are thought of as legitimately great films not just like the room great yeah. films but like it's a wonderful life would pretty much like disappeared for a quarter of the century until right. it came back in the 80s and now it's considered like a masterpiece and a holiday staple and all that kind of stuff so i think uh we want to at least give the possibility that hey maybe this is a great film yeah we've refound or, or something. if it's We're at reclaiming least it. interesting yeah something at least interesting about it I'd say, man, there is not a lot that is interesting nothing. there's nothing to reclaim here you know there's no, you no don't one... have to watch this movie to know what happens I just I could tell you the premise. Yeah, I could just tell you the. I premise. I knew Coco Diaz was going to be in this movie. It's just <laughs> it's that by the book. And you know that at the at the end when the fight happens, of course, Jim Lampley is going to come back, yep. and they're going to narrate everything that you're seeing. You know, which is again comes back to that whole having actually someone in the story literally telling you the story as it's happening, which is sort of anti cinematic. You yeah. know, instead of letting the images tell the story. Any butterscotch jelly beans left in the bag? There are no butterscotch jelly beans (laughs) left in this bag. But we'll be back next week with a review of The Identical, starring real-life Elvis impersonator Blake Rain as an Elvis-like rock star and his estranged twin brother. In the meantime, send your most sadistic movie dares to us at daredaniel.com and follow Dare Daniel on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can read more of my film reviews at newsreview.com. And you can read my craft beer column at sackb.com. Corky, where can people find your work? You can catch me at the Sacramento Comedy Spot Fridays, Saturdays, pretty much any day of the week. I'll be on stage masturbating like a monkey. That sounds fantastic. We leave you with the sweet sounds of, you guessed it, Frank Stallone.